you, me, the fans, we've all fallen victim to the HBCU Combine poorly promoting the results of their events. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics. Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day i know that i appreciate it and even though the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives which you can find right here at the bottom of the screen on this beautiful graphic shout out to all of them i wonder if we're gonna have a different color graphic we have changed the color on the thumbnails so we have a little bit of change in the template and the, the color scheme coming up. I wonder if we might flip this yellow to blue and it's blue to yellow. But that's just a little inside information for you. I just, between me and you, of course. But today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. And visit today, fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Don't waste any time. Make every moment more. And guys, you want to know the difference between the first place team and the first seed in a tournament, the impact of a loss. Just check out Fayetteville State and then also Howard. Two different outcomes or two different results from the same outcome. But first, I want to tell you guys about the HBCU Combine and why you are a victim of poorly promoted results by the event. Now, this is not, I don't think this is anybody on the HBCU side. This is mostly on the NFL side, if I'm not mistaken, but they have not promoted the event's results well. I'll tell you what, I really love a lot of things about the HBCU Combine. And for that reason, I will never say it was mishandled. I nearly said that, but I felt like that would discount all of the good things about it. For example, I love what it represents. I love how it's given HBCU players a platform to be placed in front of NFL GM. So not just the theory of doing it, but then also actually putting it into place. I love that it's attached to the HBCU Legacy Bowl. I think that's better than what it was with the Senior Bowl, especially seeing that these these GMs are still going to come out. They're still going to view the players. I like it being attached to the HBCU Legacy Bowl. I like the NFL Network having some of their hosts on the on site to be able to talk about it and be live and discuss, especially Scott Pioli, who was a part of deciding who was going to be at the Combine. I love those things. But if you notice, the things that I discuss I love are typically things that were decided before the event ever happened. It's a lot of pre-production. Where is it going to be located? Who are we going to bring out? Who's going to be um, showing live content and, and narrating what's happening? And those are all things that you decided before the event ever happened. And we treat it like a big deal. I told a couple of people I was going out to Louisiana for it, and they all knew what I was talking about, none of which were HBCU-connected um, people. So... If I can do that, you treat it as a big deal leading up to it. Tell me why three days after the event, I still don't know where to find the official times. I don't know where to find these people broad jump, the vertical jump. 
And it's been great for the players. I will continuously say that. I will try to say it at least one or two more times as the as the segment goes on because I don't want that point to be lost in translation. But fans want to be a part of it. And I don't think this is selfish. I understand that I am not the point of this event. This event is meant to showcase the players. And it's done that. I get it. But fans want to be a part of it. You should be able to find an official list of the participants. You should be able to find the 40 times. You should be able to find the, the broad jump numbers. You should be able to find all of those things. You think as a PV or a Southern fan, you might not want to know how many bench press reps that Jason Dumas put up. I don't think it makes you selfish for vocalizing. And if you think it does, I'll vocalize it for you. Because I think it's disappointing that I can't find the numbers to find to be able to come back and tell you this is what happened. These are the highlight players. These are the studs. When I was there, I was able to talk and I was able to, because last year I was there. I was able to talk and I was able to get the numbers on guys that I missed. So I was able to come back and give you this information. This isn't about wanting to just get a segment done. This is about wanting to come to you and inform you and give you the information. I want to have it just as much as you do as a fan. And then if I do get it, I'll then disperse it because we all deserve to have that information. So if you are irritated by not having it, you're justified in that. It's not selfish because and you're not making yourself the center of attention you're just saying what you want. So here's the thing. Two steps. One, make the HBCU Combine an opportunity for players to basically have a Combine experience. Check. Did that. Success. 100%. I won't take that away. Once again, they do that very well. I love what they've done with that. As far as the players, extremely beneficial. That's the most important part, too. I told you I'll say it again because I don't want that to be lost. I understand it. Now, step two. Treat it like a big deal. You're not doing that after the fact. You're not treating it like the actual Indianapolis combine. You're not. Because you know what? In Indianapolis, when a player runs a 40, you get an official time or an unofficial time. About an hour, hour and a half later, I have the official time. How many hour and a halves have passed since Xavier Smith has ran a 40? I can tell you the range. 46, I can tell you the range, but it's been three days. Shouldn't I be able to give you an exact time? Not a he say, she say time? I believe that I should be able to do that for you. See, one of my biggest problems with the coverage of HBCU athletics and remove your favorite HBCU media source, that whether that's written, digital, whatever, remove them. I should be able to Google something HBCU related and be able to find it with relative ease. And I'm talking about surface level things. I'm not talking about a, a battle at right guard. I understand how that might not be the most publicized story. But see, I should be able to go in there and talk about what's FAMU's quarterback battle. Let me not use them because the Tallahassee Democrat is really good. They take care of the business. I won't even use a school to be specific because I don't want to I don't want my point to be devalued by saying, oh, well, this school does it or this area, this market does it. I should be able to find out about the surface level things going on during spring ball. We do that for the bigger schools. I'm not asking to be on the same level as a power five school as far as athletes and all. That. I'm not asking for any of that. Understand if you want to get to there, it's a work in progress. But I don't think it's a work in progress to simply be able to cover. I don't. I don't think it's a work in progress to simply allocate a couple of reporters to coverage. But whatever. I'm getting on a high horse for real. The point is, so often 
you got to have either inside information. You got to know somebody. You got to be able to dig 50 million feet deep for a surface level story. And there's no reason that an event of the magnitude of the HBCU combine should fall victim to the same thing. I shouldn't have to go to 17 different sources to find a 40 yard dash time. I don't even know the official list of people are there. Now, maybe that's me. Maybe I didn't find that. I will hope that that's me. I hope that somebody in the comments says, no, we found an official list. But I was talking to somebody just earlier today. Well, yesterday at this point, but I was talking to them and they don't even know the official times. Like, where can we find them? That's an issue, guys. That's an issue. And I'm going to vocalize it. And if somebody thinks that makes me selfish, I'm sorry. But fans want to be a part of the combine. When I see the Indianapolis combine, the NFL scouting combine, when that happens in March, I want you to watch how much fan interaction, how much fan engagement happens from that. I want you to see when a guy from Nebraska runs a 4-3-3. I want you to see that engagement. And it's not because Nebraska is Nebraska. It's because the NFL is going to boast that up. I want you to see when the guy runs a 4-6-7. That's not a great time, depending on the position, but let's just take it as a position that's not a great time. I want you to see how they report that. It doesn't have to be extraordinary to be reported. It's a combine. You're supposed to let people know. We want to know these things. I love what the HBCU combine is doing for these players. However, after you get past what the players are benefiting in the promotion, after the fact of the times, the events, uh, measurements, totals, I mean, excuse me, measurements and testing, once you get past that, it feels a little bit less like an HBCU combine and more like an HBCU pro day where you have to know somebody who knows somebody to get some inside information. We don't really promote pro day numbers. We care about the combine. Let's stop treating the HBCU combine like it's a school pro day. This needs to be put on the same pedestal. Doesn't have to be as big, but it needs to be treated as just a big of deal as the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. That's all I'm asking for. I'm sorry if that comes off selfish, but that's how I feel. Now, I told you we're going to look at what is the difference between a first place team and the first seed in the tournament. The difference is the impact of a loss. Let's just ask Fayetteville State because they are out of the CIAA tournament. The first big time upset in a CIAA tournament comes on the women's basketball side as Johnson C. Smith knocks out Fayetteville State with a very bizarre fourth quarter. We're going to talk about that as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before we get into that, today's sponsor is FanDuel. Make every moment more. Visit the website right down here at the bottom of the screen. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start pointing at FanDuel and try to get right on the website. I needed something new to challenge myself. Let's see how good am I. Anyway, if you want to know, I got it pretty easily on the audio side. Anywho, FanDuel, make every moment more. If we're talking about basketball, we're talking about baseball, we're talking about hockey, all of these sports are either here or coming back very soon. FanDuel has odds for every single one, single game parlays for every single one. Is this person going to have this many home runs? What is Aaron Judge going to do in his first game of the season? What is Jason Tatum going to do in his first game after the All-Star break? When is Giannis going to come back? And when Giannis comes back, what is the win total going to look like for the Bucks? Who's going to win the East, the West? What's going to be the win total now that KD is with the Suns? There are so many things that you can bet on. I could run out of breath just trying to tell you about all of them, so I'll set in stone those ones I just did there. Just go ahead and go to fanduel.com slash locked on and visit that website to make every moment more and make a little bit more money in your pocket from the things that you know. 
As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen. Make sure you guys are checking out Locked on College Basketball. We're getting close to the March Madness. This is the one-stop shop for everything you need around the sport. It's going to get you completely prepared for the big dance. So make sure you're checking that out wherever you get your podcast, including this app you're listening to me right now. Your team every day, your sport every day, the Locked On Podcast Network. In Fayetteville State, we're talking about tournament. It ain't March Madness. It's February. Nope, don't have it. Sorry. I'm not about to sit here and think of it right now either. Fayetteville State suffers the first big-time upset of the CIAA tournament, and it happens because of a bizarre fourth quarter. And finally, I feel like the rock every time he comes to a new city. Finally. We have an upset in the CIAA tournament. When I tell you this, these are the things that I live for. I'm not the biggest basketball guy. I'm not. I'll be open about that. But I love these kind of events. I love watching tournament basketball because every single moment feels like it matters. Feels like FanDuel personified on the court because they make every moment more. Sorry. Got to really work the company. See, Imagine how boring a tournament would be if we got all the way down to the Final Four or the Elite Eight in the bigger tournament and we never had an upset. And every time it was the favorite who won every single game until maybe we get to the, the four best teams and then now we maybe get an upset, if that's what you want to call it, of three knocking off one. Imagine that. That would be boring. What makes March Madness madness is the fact that we're having upsets that a team like the number eight seed can come in and knock off the number one seed. The fact that Johnson C. Smith can knock off Fayetteville State and now women's basketball in the CIAA tournament just got a whole lot more interesting because we have an upset. Now, this is really the first upset on either side. Technically, technically Elizabeth City State knocked off Livingstone nine versus eight, but that ain't, that ain't no real upset. That's not, this is an upset right here. This is an upset, and it happened because of a bizarre fourth quarter. But the theme of the game was physicality. Game was physical the whole time. And I mean, these girls is running, they hitting. And you would have thought it was football. Sometimes there was one point when this girl was running for a loose ball. Two girls were running for a loose ball. And one obviously had the better angle. One obviously had more speed. Got there first. The other girl took a shoulder to the jaw. Dropped her. Down goes Freight. Dropped her. Okay. It wasn't dirty. None of these plays were dirty. It was just physical plays. It was just plays where each team is acting like if they don't get this ball, if they don't get this shot, if they don't get this this hustle play to go in their favor, they were going to lose the game. And for a certain amount of time, that's how it felt until the very end and then things pulled away. But the physicality was there. It was present. I would say that there was no way you could watch this game and say, oh, no, this was a soft game. No way you could say this was soft. But let's look at uh let's look at that bizarre fourth quarter that I'm talking about. These two teams are going back and forth. The biggest lead up to this point is Johnson C. Smith with eight points. They end up being the final score or the final margin of victory as well. But there was never any point when anybody ran away with it. And that was true in the fourth quarter too. Teams were going runs, they'd be responded to by a run directly after. It was back and forth. Good basketball, having fun, loving it. Physicality aside, just loving it. But then it was a, a, a shift. It was a shift. See, they subbed out Aaliyah Bell and, and subbed in Shania Jones. And when they subbed in Shania Jones, it was a clear statement. 
because Bell was just there for defense. So when Jones comes in, it's a clear statement that we need to go score. And when I tell you score is what they did. They ended the game on a 17-2 run. That's obviously what got them the victory. But the bizarre part about it is that this happened five minutes into the fourth quarter. It was their highest scoring quarter of the game. Johnson C. Smith was on such fire at the end of the game that in the last five minutes, they outscored any other 10-minute segment of their game. Absolutely remarkable. Absolutely an impact uh, performance by Shania Jones, the leading scorer. So you, you kind of sub out your best defender. I don't want to say your best defender, but just the person who was there for defense, only took two shots, didn't score a point, but played great defense all game. And said, you know, we got to get a shooter in. We got to get the score in. We got to get the player who had 27 points to lead our team to come into this game so that we can win. That's what I'm looking for. And you know what? I said the theme of the game was physicality, but I didn't just say that just to set a scene. Notice I didn't say, let's set a scene. I ain't say that this time. I brought it up because it actually plays into the results of the game. And when you look at the results of the game, Johnson C. Smith won the rebound battle 46 to 30. They got to the free throw line more. They had more points in the paint. And in the game, and the theme was physicality. The team who won all the physicality stats won the game. Coincidence? Highly doubt it. So that's what happens when a first place, or excuse me, when a first overall seed loses a game. They're gone. They go home for the year. It's over for them. But what about when a first place team loses a game? Not only are the ramifications not as big. If you're Howard, you're lucky enough to have the second and third place team lose. So this loss basically means nothing. But at the same time, Morgan State put on such a performance. There's no way we're going to let this pass and not at least discuss the 61 point second half of the Morgan State Bears as we continue with Locked on HBCU. And that's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. I appreciate y'all for making it to the end and making us your first listen of the day. Thank you two times. Now let's talk about how it's lost to Morgan State because it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But boy, was that a performance by Morgan State. They lit it up in the second half. Now, yesterday we discussed Norfolk State's loss to Coppin State. And I told you how it really didn't matter that much because Howard lost. And now we're talking about Howard's loss, but I got to tell you, it's both ways. It's a mutual irrelevance to a certain extent. The loss doesn't harm you for either team. The loss doesn't harm you for Howard, doesn't harm you for Norfolk State. However, you did lose the chance to win. And for Norfolk State, that would have meant tying up at the top of the conference. And for Howard, that would have meant extending your lead to two games instead of one with very little games around or left to go. That's something I think is pretty valuable. I don't think we can just write that off as nothing, but the loss doesn't harm you. We'll keep it there. And you didn't have a loss to Coppin State. Coppin State, to me, upset of the year when they're going when they're going against Morgan, or excuse me, when they're going against Norfolk State. But Morgan State's a more than comparable opponent. They've had pretty good games. They were actually on a slide, a three-game losing streak, which makes their record look a little bit worse. But they got Isaiah Burke. They got scores. They got players like this is not a bad loss at all. The way you went about it, you probably aren't happy about it. But this is not a bad loss in the slightest. In the second half, Morgan State was smoking hot. 
Like, it was ridiculous how on fire they were in the second half. They dropped 61 points. 61 points in the second half. To put this in perspective, Howard only allows 73 points a game. In order to not surpass their season average, Howard would have had to allow only 12 points to Morgan State in the first half. Six buckets. I'm talking about all twos, no free, no free throws, nothing. That's what they would have had to do in order to only hit their season average defensively of points allowed. It's not happening. That's how good of a half it was. Matter of fact, let's really drive this home. Let's really hammer it home. The first two times that these two teams played, Morgan State scored 56 points in the game. In the last 20 minutes of action, they outscored their output from the first time these two played in a full game. That's how good that they were in that game. I, I mean, I don't know how many ways. I don't even know if we ever need to quantify by explaining and describing 61 points and a half. We've seen teams barely hit 61 in a game. I think I could just told you the number. You'd be like, whoa. But that's exactly the reaction you should have. See, here's the thing. It was just an offensive second half. Howard scored 40 points. It's not like they weren't scoring. There was a difference in efficiency, significant difference in efficiency, and I think that probably played a part into it. But Howard scored points, and most times if you drop 40 points and a half, you're thinking you're going to win. But you dropped or you allowed 61 to be dropped on your head, and I'd argue you're never going to win if you allow 61 points and a half. I, I, I would argue that. I mean, I would have to see it happen to say that it's possible. Because that's a lot of points to be dropped on you in a half. And it just sucks because your really strong 40-point half just so happened to come not only in the same game, but in the same half as Morgan State's 61-point half. I'm not even talking about Howard's offensive output if I'm just looking at the game. I dropped 40 points in a half of basketball, and I'm not being discussed. That's how good that Morgan State was on that day. So looking at the last 20 minutes of action, they shot 69% from the field. 62% from three, 76% from the line. And in case you were just curious, just because, you know, sometimes curiosity, what kind of jump was that from the first half? Because they didn't have a great game in the first half. They only scored 28 points. They were right on pace to hit the 56, days, uh, the 56 that they scored the first time these two teams played. So what kind of jump did they make? They made a jump of 30% from the floor, 44% from the three, and then 26 from the free throw line. And a lot of that was Will Thomas, who dropped 17 points in the, seven, in the second half. So while Howard was able to get a bunch of points up, they had nowhere near the efficiency that Morgan State had. In the grand scheme of things, not an impactful loss for Howard. I get it. You know, I think that you should still be bugged at the fact that you couldn't extend the gap. The same way I think that Norfolk State and Maryland Eastern Shore, who also lost, should be upset that they couldn't close the gap. But maybe you're looking at it on the bright side. You want to look at it and be more optimistic. Well, our gap still exists. I still have a lead. Next game, Saturday, everybody just resets. The same situation as Monday. It's as if you all won, but you all lost. So no harm, no foul, I guess. But I would definitely be thinking about the missed opportunity of extending my gap. Now, tomorrow, not even tomorrow, we're actually going to drop the next episode later on today in the afternoon slash evening time because I'm on the road and I want you guys to get the information as quickly as I recorded it. So I recorded two episodes today so you guys can have two episodes tomorrow or whatever. I recorded two episodes yesterday so you can have it today, but you know how it goes. Anywho, make sure you guys are looking out for that. And on that episode, we're going to actually be looking into a watch list 
for the HBCU Legacy Bowl. And we're not going to double up on anybody that we talked about on our watch list for the HBCU Combine. Make sure you guys are tuned in for that later on today. I got to keep stressing it. Check out later on today. So keep coming back to the profile. Keep coming back to the podcast feed and seeing if it's been updated, if it's been refreshed, because a new episode will come out. And I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day, possibly even your second listen of the day. Before your, no, actually make us your third, because for your second listen, make sure you guys check it out Locked On College Basketball. March Madness is around the corner. Go ahead and get prepped for it with the episode or with the episode that you guys need right now. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.